I'm in like, I get to clean my shoes. I'm here in the splash zone. This is great. Uh, my name is Jamie. I'm the executive pastor here. And uh, we, could, we could probably just call it a day, right? That's church. You just went to church, right? Amen. Yeah, some of you. Half of you. All right. Well, if you're not fully churched out, then you're going to have to sit through me for 30 minutes. So let's go. Uh, so we are in week two of our series uh, in the book of Jonah. And if you grew up in church or like went to Sunday school and all that, you guys all know about Jonah and the whale, which is maybe theologically inaccurate. It was a great fish technically, but uh, we're not going to go there today. It's not what we're talking about. Uh, but we are talking about prayer. And so uh, if you want to jump the gun and open up your Bible, whether analog or digital, uh, we're going to be in Jonah 2, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, raise your hand here if, if you, and online, I know I can't see you online, uh, but raise your hand if you're a pet owner. Pet owner. Great. Uh, raise your hand if you're a dog owner. Yeah, you get a special jewel in your crown in, when you get to heaven. Uh, so my wife and I and our family, we became pet owners again for the first time about nine months ago. Uh, we got a little chocolate lab named Logan. This is what he looks like. Yeah, puppies. Ah, he is demonic. <laughs> no, we, uh, we love Logan. And so let me preface everything I'm about to say about being a pet owner and about pets, that we love Logan, okay? And, and like when you first, when you like receive a new pet into your family, um, especially if you've got kids, there, there's kind of this, this agreement that you have that, okay, kids, or okay family, or okay spouse, if we bring a pet into our home, you need to help, right? Yeah, some of you are laughing already. You know exactly where I'm going. Mom, Dad, I will, I will walk the dog every day. I will clean up after him. I will help feed him. I will do all of the things, I promise. And it lasts about three weeks. Um, at least for us, it lasted about three weeks, and now we still make the kids do all those things, but that's the key word, we make the kids do all of those things, right? Uh, so at the beginning of when you're a pet owner or you have a pet in the house, everything is proactive, right? Like you're ahead of the game. Uh, you know you have a routine, uh, a feeding routine that you're going to follow down to the T, uh, you're going to clean up every time they make a mess instead of just on Saturday afternoons like I do. You know, you're never going to feed them human food. It's, you're always just going to give them the, the healthiest and the best kibble that, a, a possible. You're never going to do all of those things until you allow him to do all of those things. And of course, school starts and then new routines start in the fall and the dog is thrown off a little bit. And so what does he do? He chews everything in my house, like everything. He loves shoes and bras and remote controls, all of the things. And it's because you lose that routine of, routine of being a proactive pet owner, right? Like you, you're like, oh, you're so cute. Maybe I'll feed you just a little bit at the table. Or maybe like, oh, we forgot his lunch, whatever. We'll just, he'll have a, he'll have an early supper, right? Or, you, you know, you just, you have a one day of the week where you go out and clean the mess or, or whatever. And so you become a reactive 
pet owner. You, you react to the things that he's doing instead of setting the precedent, instead of being proactive. You have this routine that you kind of veer off and you become a reactive pet owner. And so I want to talk a little bit about what it means to be a follower of Jesus who's proactive and one who's reactive. And today, Jonah 2 is going to give us a fantastic example of that because us as followers of Christ, sometimes our lives revolve around reactive prayers. Our prayer life is is almost primarily concerned with the things that just come up in our lives. But Jesus doesn't necessarily teach us that. And so here's the thing I want us all to remember today. Your circumstances can dictate your prayers or your prayers can dictate your circumstances. Your circumstances can dictate your prayers or your prayers can dictate your circumstances. And so here we are in Jonah chapter 2. Basically, for those of you who weren't here last week, the recap is Jonah had this incredible call by God to go preach to this huge city, this hugely corrupt and despicable and destructive, immoral city called Nineveh. And it was a big, big city. And so God has given him, this Jonah, this huge job to go and to preach to Nineveh, to this city. And what does he do? Of course, we all know he runs away. He runs in the complete opposite direction. And he hides. He he gets by some boat fare and he hides in the bottom of the boat. And then there's this huge storm that comes. And the the other sailors are like, what is going on? It must be this guy's fault. And he's like, yeah, just throw me overboard. So not only is he running and is he hiding from what God is calling him to do. He's like, you know what? Just put me to death. Just throw me overboard and everything will be fine, and then I don't have to do this thing that God is calling me to do. And of course, they do end up throwing him overboard after all the sailors give their life to Jesus, which is awesome. And um, so they throw him overboard, and then God gets this great fish to swallow Jonah. And so here we are in Jonah 2. He is in the fetal position in the, like, the grossest of circumstances, and uh, he has this prayer which I think is like this half-hearted prayer, this reactionary prayer to his current circumstance. He has this, he's a minor prophet. In my opinion, he's a major idiot. But here he is having this half-hearted prayer, I think. And there's got to be something in here for us that we can learn from him. And it's not just another prayer. It's not just something you might read in the Psalms. Jonah is praying out of fear. He's praying this half-hearted, I think, prayer because he's praying out of God's sight. He's praying out of God's sight, or at least he thinks he is. That's what it says in verses 1 to 3. And Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the flesh. He cried, or sorry, he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I call to you from the land of the dead, or Sheol, which is a word that's in some um, translations. And And Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. And so notice that Jonah is like using this very poetic language to describe this distance 
that he's tried to put between him and God. He's run far away. He got, he got boat fare and, and hid underneath. He, there's this distance between them. I mean, the words, my great trouble, the land of the dead. Sheol is this word that's kind of this, um, this word that where we kind of get the word hell from. He's referring to himself like feeling like he's in hell. I mean, he's literally in the stomach of some kind of fish. He says, he uses the words ocean depths. I sank down to the heart of the sea. Mighty waters engulfed me. I'm buried beneath. So he's using these words to show this great distance. In the Hebrew context, the the word heavens uh, is really this, this kind of concept for God being above us. Being almighty God, sovereign over us. He is over us in all things. And in many ways, looking down upon his creation. That's what this this Hebrew concept of the heavens mean. But he's using these words that describe nothing like heaven. In fact, he's using these words that are describing him going lower and lower. And maybe even closer places like hell. He's using these words to let us know that there's this huge, he feels like there's this huge distance between him and God. He's praying out of God's sight. That's the first thing I want us to remember. The second is this. Jonah prays out of fear because he's acted out of God's will. He's acted out of God's will. Verse 4. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. So very similar. similarly, Jonah is using this language that describes himself being out of God's will. Right? God gave him a purpose. He gave him a mission. He even gave him a place and a thing to do. Yet he is out of God's will by running away. He uses phrases like, driven me from your presence. You can't understand the will of God if you are not in the presence of God. He uses this term of seaweed around my head. If there's seaweed, which is gross, like encasing your head, you can't see or hear anything. And so it's this imagery of like you can't see God or hear from God when your head is covered in seaweed. You can't be in his will. He talks about being imprisoned in the earth and the gates are locked shut. It's this imagery of death. You can't follow God's call on your life if you're dead. We sing it all the time. If you're not dead, then you're not done. However, if you're dead, you're kind of done, right? He's praying out of God's will. Third thing is this. Starting the second half of verse 6. But you, O Lord my God, there's this kind of change of his mood. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all of God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. See, Jonah is praying this prayer out of fear because he was out of God's favor. He was swallowed up by this fish, and he's out of God's favor. So again, Jonah 
His prayer reflects someone who's out of God's favor, who's wanting to come back in. It says, you snatched me from the jaws of death. Right? It's, it's, it's God pulling him back into his favor. He says, I remember the Lord. I remember God's goodness, his promises. And then he talks about idols and, and turning our back on God's mercy. Right? Those who worship idols are not going to receive God's favor and God's provision. And then finally he says, salvation comes from you, which is God's ultimate favor for us. Giving his son Jesus for each one of us. That is the ultimate favor, the ultimate provision that God gives to us. Jonah is praying this prayer out of fear because he is out of God's favor. Verse 10, of course, then says, Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Again, gross. We won't get into the anatomy part of that and how that even works and what it looks like and how it smells. We won't do that today. But so we've got Jonah who's praying this prayer, which is a very reactive prayer. He's praying this prayer as a reaction to his circumstances, to what has just occurred in his life. Now, he was given this great mission, this great purpose, this great call of God on his life. And yet he did the opposite. He didn't do the thing that God wanted him to do. And so he has this, I think, kind of half-hearted prayer. And so, don't get me wrong, reactive prayers are not bad, right? All prayer is good. Even some where we don't even have the words to say the things that we feel like we need to say. All prayer is good. Reactive prayers are good. Because things happen in our lives that we don't expect, right? The unpredictable, the unexpected, the unforeseen. Like life happens and takes us by surprise sometimes. And so for those of us who follow Jesus, sometimes we have these reactive prayers. These prayers that reflect the circumstance that we're in. Don't get me wrong, those are not bad prayers, But what if Jesus taught us something different? Because for us, your circumstances can dictate your prayers or our prayers can dictate our circumstances. And I think that's what Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6. If you want to turn to Matthew 6, I'll give you a moment to do that. So here Jesus is. Uh, is teaching to a bunch of people, and specifically he has this moment with his disciples and those who are kind of in earshot. And he's teaching on prayer. And he gives us this simpler yet similar perspective on prayer that Jonah did. It's, It's a similar perspective, but it's a prayer about praying before your circumstances and not after them. His teaching on prayer encourages a more proactive approach to prayer. Jesus teaches us to pray in God's sight, for God's will, and under God's favor. This is what it says in Matthew 6, starting at verse 5. The first is this. Jesus says that we should pray in God's sight. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward that they will ever receive. But when you pray, 
Go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then the father, get this, who sees everything, who sees everything, will reward you. And so he brings up the the hypocrites who pray in the public, not so that God would see them, but so that man would see them. I've known people in my life who just, they love to pray, but it's because they love to pray so that others will see how good of a prayer they are. Nobody here, nobody here. But there are people who just love to pray for the acclamation of man. Man, that guy can pray. Well, sometimes they're doing it for themselves. And so that's what Jesus is bringing up here. Be careful that we're, not, that we're praying for people and for ourselves and not just to be heard. Yet he encourages us to pray in private. Where? Why? It's because that is where we can be most vulnerable. Those are the places where we can truly open up to God, where we don't have to worry about what the people are thinking around us. There's no, there's no reward necessarily for praying in public when you're just doing it to be seen by man. Instead, find a place where you and Jesus can connect on an intimate level, a one-on-one level. It's in those private, vulnerable, exposed places that God truly sees you. And so unlike Jonah, who is praying from this hiding place, Jesus is teaching us to to fully open up to God because he sees everything. He is omnipotent. He is sovereign. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He knows everything already. You can't hide from God. So pray specifically in his sight, with him, with vulnerability and honesty. Second is this. Jesus says that we should pray for God's will. Whereas Jonah was kind of praying out of God's will, Jesus says we should be praying for God's will. Verse 7, when you pray, don't babble on like the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need before you ask. And he says this, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Get this. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus isn't wanting us to pray out of God's will. He wants us to pray God's will in our lives. Right? Don't let your prayers, don't let your circumstances dictate your prayers. Let your prayers dictate your circumstances. Pray for God's will. Jesus doesn't want you to hide from God's sight when you pray, but he does want you to encourage to pray in private. And when you do, pray for God's will. Whereas Jonah was willingly running from God and and praying outside of his will, he was literally running from God's will, Jesus is saying, no, pray for it, that you would receive it, that you would receive clarity about it. May your kingdom come soon. It's It's not just this speak about Jesus coming back. It's about being Jesus now, about being heaven on earth. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will on earth. Right here, pray for those things. Hope for those things. That Almighty God would be present with us, teaching us what comes next. Pray into God's will. 
And finally, where Jonah was praying to gain God's favor, Jesus encourages us to pray under God's favor, the thing that we already have. Verse 11, give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't yield, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. See, Jesus encouraged us to pray for the things that God already wants to bless us with, that the things that he already wants to give us, the food that we need, the shelter that we need, the drink that we need. God, God is God's provision for us. Pray for his provision. And then he talks about forgiveness, right? Pray for those things. Like repentance is something that we don't like to talk about in church. But it is a gospel strategy for us to receive God's will and to live in his favor. When we mess up, when we screw up, when we say the wrong thing, when we do the wrong thing, we can repent of our sin and ask for forgiveness and it is always rewarded to us. And next he talks about deliverance from evil, right? Protection from the enemy. Those are the things that God wants to give us. Those, that is his favor, provision and salvation and protection. And so while Jonah prays one way, while Jonah prays out of God's sight, Jonah prays out of God's will and out of God's favor. Here, Jesus is encouraging us to pray proactive prayers. Proactive prayers of being in God's sight. For God's will and under God's favor. I would posit maybe that those, these proactive prayers are really the things that set our life in motion. And I, when I say proactive, and that when I say that our prayers can determine our circumstances, I don't mean that you can necessarily change the will of God, what God has already preordained for us. But when we pray these proactive prayers, what he's doing through the power of his Holy Spirit is teaching us how to respond. He's teaching us how to react. He's teaching us how we should live and love like Jesus when things come up in our lives. These proactive prayers are the things that shape us to be the people to live and love like Jesus. Proactive prayers are the things that set us up for reactionary prayers. When, when there's a, a, a job loss or a death in the family or a broken relationship or you think the mortgage is going to bounce this week or you're not sure how you're going to pay for that thing. When the things in our lives come up, if we can pray like Christ here, these proactive prayers, if we can let our prayers determine our circumstances, and let, instead of letting our circumstances determine our prayers, we can prepare ourselves for what God wants to do in us and through us when those situations come up. And so while proactive prayers and reactive prayers, they're both prayers, they're both good, Jesus wants to encourage us to make these proactive prayers in our life to shape us and challenge us and change us and transform us for when life hits the fan. Because it does. It does. 
And so, of course, the question for a lot of us is like, all right, how do I do that? Like, that sounds great, but how do I do that? Like, maybe there, there are people in this room who don't know Jesus yet. There are people in this room who have known him for 60 plus years. And so there's this huge spectrum on, on how Jesus can teach every one of us to do this. And it's easy to become more like him. Well, what does that even mean? Well, I would say that holiness and prayer are intertwined. Holiness and prayer are incredibly closely related. In other words, the more that we pursue holiness, which is this fancy word for becoming more like Jesus, holiness is us walking the way of Jesus. It's, it's reading his word. It's trying to understand what he wants to speak into our own lives. Let's pursue holiness, become more Christ-like as we follow Jesus. And our prayers then begin to shape our attitudes and our circumstances a little bit more. Uh, This is what Dr. Miles Monroe says in his book, Understanding the Power and Purpose of Prayer. He says, when we don't have a healthy fear of God or respect for his commandments, we are unable to truly enter his presence. That is why when we talk about seeking God through prayer, we must talk about the word holiness. Holiness is critical to prayer because, and this is from Hebrews 12, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And even Jesus emphasized this truth when he said in Matthew 5, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Holiness. I don't believe these verses uh, just refer to seeing God in heaven after we die, but to everyday life on earth. They refer to seeing God now, in the sense of having an intimate relationship of love with him and entering into his presence so that we can know his heart and mind in our prayers. Let me say that again. It's this deep, intimate relationship of love with Jesus and entering into his presence so we can know his heart and mind in our prayers. That is proactive prayer. That, that is having our prayer determine our circumstances. Right there. We, when we do that, we know the heart and mind of God in all things. So part of these proactive prayers is determining our, is um, part of praying proactive prayers. That is, prayers that determine our circumstances is knowing the heart and mind of Jesus. The more and more we become like him, the more we understand how to pray in God's sight for God's will and pray under his provision, the things that he's already promised promised us to bless us with. So as you're thinking about your own prayer life this week, think about like, how is it that I pray? Do I just pray when things go wrong? Like when life happens, is that when I really start to pray? Well, what if we changed our attitude on that and just began to pray for the things that we don't know have come up yet? What if we change our lives and structure our lives like the prayer of Jesus to do so and prepare us for everything that happens? I want to challenge you with that this week. And as we leave and as we close in worship in the next moment, I want to get you to stand for a moment. Stand up. It's okay. Stretch your legs. Get that blood flowing. I want us to pray the Lord's Prayer together. Let's make a promise to ourselves 
to our lives with Jesus, that we will be people who use prayers to determine our circumstances and not our, just our circumstances to determine what we pray. Let's pray this together. Our Father, whom art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.